consistent in reading your Bibles? Can I see any hands who wants to confess in the, in the house of the Lord? All right, so I found a program that is conducive to where you are right now. It's called the five-day Bible reading program. So there's no excuse. You're going to have two days to make up. So can I get some volunteers to pass these out? Two people. To... <coughs> this is a five-day Bible reading program for 2016. <coughs> and we're going to read the entire Bible and not just the New Testament. You can do either or, but we're actually going to do the entire Bible. So um, the weeks are ahead of you. It starts on this side right here. So just make sure you, you read that. It's, it's, not, it's about four, four chapters a day, which is not bad, right? Four chapters. You can read four chapters. You know, when you go to the restroom, you can read the four chapters. <laughs> right? Yeah. So... Um, you got you got to do what you got to do in order to 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 make this happen. You don't want to go into eternity and never have read the entire Word of God. God forbid that. But Lord, I didn't know because you didn't read. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> we're going to talk about unplugging from the world. Is it possible to unplug from the world? I want to submit to you. Yes. Not permanently, unless you die in the midst of that. But um, this time of fasting and praying will be a time of unplugging from the world system. As we enter to this new year, I pray that you will redefine your goals, reflecting over the past year, taking the mistakes from the past, and, and um, learning from those mistakes and investing in, in your present as well as your future. Um, this is a wonderful time of the year. 2016, where the beginning of the year is always wonderful. It's a great time to reflect and to kind of make some adjustments and make some new goals for, for, the, for the, re the entire year, to reprioritize your life in light of eternity. So this is one of my favorite times of the year um, <clears throat> so that we can reset our body, our, the systems in our body, and as well as to reset our lives, like a push and a reset button. So today is the official day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Today is. Um, so I, I want to say this. December the 30, January 31st, January 31st, the last Sunday of this month, I want you all to bring all your children to church, uh, born and unborn. <laughs> and we're going to pray for your children. Uh, we're going to have a a Sunday where we dedicate or rededicate and make some proclamation over your children and pray for them and lay hands on them. I don't think we do enough of that. Jesus did it. Jesus laid hands on the children just to bless them. Um, there are several reasons why people should lay hands on another person in the name of the Lord, and one is to bless them. And so we're going to bless the children on December, uh, January 31st. So make sure you bring your, your child. Born and unborn. So, um, so this fast is not meant to torture you. Okay, I don't, I don't want you to think this 21 days of torture. 
but it's actually a, a, a time to draw near to God. Um, fasting is something that we're called to do throughout this journey of faith. We're not just to fast whenever it's convenient, but we're to fast corporately as well as individually. Uh, the earlier church, or the church, in church history, I should say, they used to fast at least twice a week. I think it was a Wednesday and a Thursday they fasted. Uh, it might have been Tuesday and Thursday. I know it was a Thursday in there, but they fasted every single week. Um, I think there's something to it when we fast. Fasting reminds us that we live in a sinful world, and we need to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. How many have denied yourself this week? Over the holidays, not many of us, right? Some of us. <laughs> um, but we need to deny ourselves. Uh, what is fasting? I'm glad you asked. Fasting is, in the basic definition, it is um, abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Just abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. Nothing more than that. Uh, <clears throat> what is the purpose of these 21 days of prayer and fasting? I, I, got, I have four. One is to seek God's will for the new year. You should write this down or type it in your phone. To seek God's will for the new year. Number two, to refocus on spiritual things. To refocus on spiritual things. Number three, to draw closer to God. To draw closer to God. And number four, to unplug from the world's system or systems as much as possible. One is to seek God's will for the new year. Two is to refocus on spiritual things. Three is to draw closer to God. Four is to unplug from the world's systems as much as possible. That's the these are the purposes for this 21 days, prayer and fasting. There's something that happens when we pray and fast. Fasting doesn't necessarily move God, but it moves us. It moves us in a position to receive from God, to hear from God, to be sensitive to the Spirit. And how many know there's times that we, God wants to communicate with us, but because our flesh is king, the king of our hearts, we, we can't hear from him, we can't receive from him. And so there's some things that can only come through prayer and fasting. Um, you can't just pray for, you know, prayer is def definitely we're called to pray, but there's something too when we pray and fast. I like to call it the power twins. Um, when you kick some fasting with your prayer time, then something happens. It's, it positions you to receive from God. It's like a ceiling sometimes. Like we, you're praying and you're praying and praying and, just, and you're not passing those ceilings. Fasting will actually remove the ceiling so you can receive and hear from God. So there's something that happens when you're praying fast. How many know it's, it's, it's not good to always yield to your flesh? You know, when your flesh is tired, you go to sleep. When your flesh is hungry, um, you go eat. Um, so you're not to yield to it, or you, you, you just have to do something, you know, you, you're, you know you're, because your flesh wants to. You know, eating all, the, all that's on your plate. You don't have to eat everything that's on your plate or everything that's um, before you. You can just resist it, and, and that's the way that we're to live. We're to live mindful that we are followers of Jesus and we need to learn how to unfollow ourselves, not yielding to that. Just because you're angry doesn't mean that you have to express that anger. Amen? Uh, just because you're horny doesn't mean that you have to have sex before marriage. These are, you all are adults. 
Amen. All the children are gone. <laughs> and so, um, and then there's a time, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says, there's a time when men and women, uh, husbands and wife are not to have sex. It's an it's a, it's a agreed time. It's an agreed time. Go over there, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Y'all don't believe me. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's, let's, let's take a look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, if I can find it, it'll be all right. Okay, here we go, verse 5. It says, do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. King James says prayer and fasting. Then you come, to get, come together again, or King James says quickly, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So here, the, Paul is inst instructing Married folks to have a lot of sex. Amen. All the, all the married people should say amen. And so here he said, you need to have as much sex as possible. But then it also says, but then when there's a appointed time, a limited time that you agree on, husband and wife agree on the time to, for prayer and fasting not to have any sex. But then it says, come back together quickly. Amen. All right. All right, so here, um, we're not to yield to our flesh. And, and, and the thing about it, I, I want us to, um, God wants to do some things in our gathering and in our church. So I want to encourage you to ex 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 refrain from excessive talking during this time, to kind of be in a mode of quietness. I, I'm so grateful that we start out in the new year with prayer. So we pray for 30 minutes or more, and then there was a time of quietness. I mean, no, we need to have, be quiet at times. The scripture boldly says, and we're going to see this in a minute, in Psalm 46, verse 10, it says, be still and know that I'm God. And that's the way you should pray. There's times that you're giving, giving God your heart, you're praying in the spirit, you're praying from your understanding, you're praying your heart out, you're praying in line with the word, you're giving thanks, and you're offering up praise and worship. And then there's a time that you need to quiet yourself and hear from God and receive from God, receive peace and joy and, and contentment. It's in that place of quietness. There's times that you don't need to be so, so not so, you know, not necessarily quiet, but there's the time to make a joyful noise. But there, there's a time of, of solitude. And so this time of prayer and fasting, you need to um, pull back from excessive talking so that you can hear from God. You can reflect over what God is saying to your spirit, man. So, again, fasting positions you to hear from God. Refrain from excessive talking, joking before or during or after church, as well as our prayer gatherings. We must cultivate a more reverence for the presence of God in our services. We don't revere God like we should. And when you come together with saints to hear the word of God, we, there should be a, a, a reverence. Not that we're reverencing the building, but we're reverencing the presence of God in our gathering. That we're, we're just like, Lord, we're serious. So let me make some suggestions. You should go to bed before, early, if you can, if you're not working, um, prior to coming to church so that you can be refreshed. You should determine what you want to give that, you know, of course, the tithe, you don't have to worry about 
praying about tithing or not. You shouldn't pray about tithing. You should just tithe. Um, we'll talk about that in a, couple, couple, in a couple weeks when we go through Malachi. But you should put aside your offerings before you get to church. Write it out. Take a couple envelopes and, and, and write it out. Say, God, you placed this on my heart, and this is what I'm going to give. So you come to church already ready to give. Of course, you know, you get, we got push pay and different things. But for those who are still giving this way, you come prepared to, to give and to honor the Lord that way. You should kind of get your mind ready. How many know you should pray before you get to church? Be prayed up, ready to hear the word, ready for God to change your life, ready to give a word to your brothers or your sisters. And, and, and you need to come to church with extra money, not just for the offering, but for your brothers and your sisters. Say, you know what? I want to bless somebody with a 20 today. I want to bless someone with a 50. I want to bless somebody with a 100 or even a 1,000. Just be ready to give. Be willing. to. How, how much more? The Bible tells us in Galatians to, to let's go over there. I, I think I do a disservice to you when I quote these scriptures and you're not able to see them for yourself. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. I think Galatians chapter 5 it says this I'm sorry Galatians chapter 6 verse 10 let's start with verse 9 and let us not grow weary of doing good how many know God wants us to do good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. So who are we supposed to be doing good to? Everyone. People on your job, your enemies, your, your, the people you like, people you dislike. Do good to everyone. But it goes on and says, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So you're to good, do good to everybody, but especially your brothers and your sisters in Christ. So bring some extra money to church next time to bless somebody. Or bring something, a CD or, or um, a gift card or, you know, if they like coffee or a gift card to Starbucks or something or a, a, gas, a gas card at, at Wawa. Do good. Look for opportunities to good, do good. Have a spirit of giving about you. Always looking for opportunities to give. How can I give to my enemies? The Bible says bless those that curse you and pray for those that despitefully use you. So bless your enemies. Give to your enemies. Um, give to the ones you love. So always be in the, the spirit of giving. That's going contrary to your flesh. So, again, we must cultivate a, a most, more reverence in, in our services. Our gatherings are not for the purpose of socializing. Did y'all hear me? It is, for, it is to fellowship with God and each other. But when church becomes more social, then you can expect the presence of God not to be there, the manifested presence of God. So be careful and be aware of socializing to the place that you are neglecting true fellowship. Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, don't come to church just to socialize, but to hear from God. There's nothing wrong with socializing within itself, but our gatherings are for the purpose of hearing from God and learning how to walk with him and living out our faith in order to worship him. 
So refocus your purpose for coming to church. That's preaching. I could close the Bible, go home with you. It's like refocus your purpose for coming to church. Amen. Fellowship is not socializing, but it's embracing the community that you're called to. It is time to grow up spiritually. Everybody say, it's time to grow up. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to grow up. Come on, we got to grow up. We got to mature in the things of God. Some of us have been saved for quite some time. And when God wants to use you to evangelize and to disciple, you got to be of a standard that people can look to. The Bible says in Timothy, it says, be an example of what a believer is. That word example in the Greek says to be a pattern, something to look to. People should be following you as you follow Christ. Amen. So be the pattern for the world to see what a true believer should looks like. Be a display of his glory and his character, and you're striving for his holiness. So these 21 days can change our lives forevermore. God can set us up. One word from God can change your life forever. God can speak a word in your spirit and set you up for all eternity. I'm telling you, you, you should expect to hear from God when you come in contact with him. You should expect to, for the God of the Bible to change you as you meditate the scriptures, as you're going through the Bible, reading the Bible, letting your spirit reflect on what God has already said. And if you meditate and feed on the word of God, God will give you a word for your life. You get the word, and the word will give you a word to live off of. Amen. So how would your life be if you remove television and movies and unnecessary suffering the Internet and text messaging and phone calls from your life and replace them with prayer and God's word? What would your life be? Now, I'm not talking about living in a utopia, but I'm talking about drawing these 21 days, pulling back. I'm not saying totally not just getting rid of your phone, but just pulling back. Says, you know what? I'm going to spend extra time praying and extra time meditating the word and extra time worshiping. And remember the last time you lay prostrate before the Lord on your bed or on the floor and you just say, God, I, I throw myself at your, on your mercies. You should do that. Practice laying prostrate before the Lord or praying, um, practice laying on your back. God, I call on you. And you know, David talks about praying and seeking God on his bed. I mean, it's, 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 we got to grow. We have to grow, utilizing spiritual disciplines to do so. Your life will be changed forevermore if you did that. More. You cannot come in contact with the God of the Bible and expect to stay, stay the same. God will change you, He'll weigh heavy on your conscience when you want to do wrong. There'll be a spirit on the inside of you that says, don't do it, don't do it. You know that's wrong, right? How many have ever been there before? You'll have, that's the presence of God weighing on your conscience. Don't do that. Don't go that direction. Don't, don't go there. Don't entertain that. God wants to, to revive that. Some of that has been, um, like, that has lost the sense of, of what's right and what's wrong. Um, the Bible talks about having a seared conscience, a conscience that is not aware of a void of judgment, a void of the fear of God. How many know that we need to fear God more? 
And we fear God more. We won't do certain things. We won't talk about our brothers and sisters. I was talking to a brother recently, and he, he wanted to talk bad about this pastor and, and point out the flaws of this other pastor. I said, don't do that. Pray for them. Pray for them. We, we cannot yield to gossiping and, 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 and complaining about somebody, always looking at the negative. But let's look at them in, through the eyes of Jesus. So how do we seek God? How do we pursue him? These are questions that, um, that believers throughout the years have asked. We must first realize that he sought us first. He loved us first, and therefore we can love him back. He came after us, so now we can go after him. You know, um, there, there, there's what, I don't know how true or how accurate it is, but there's a snake, and I want to say it's a, 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 blue, a blue racer snake. And, and then the snake, it, it, it chases you, but then you turn around and you chase it, and then it, it turns around and chases you, and, and, and basically the goal is to get away from it so that it won't bite you. Um, there was a snake like that growing up. Uh, my, my friend's dad um, had this, um, this encounter with this type of snake chasing the snake, uh, and I believe it's called a blue racer. And so, we, so God has chased us because we were in darkness and not even trying to seek him, and so therefore he wants us to chase him. Amen? And when you chase him, then he'll add some things to you. His blessings will chase you down and overtake you. And then you'll turn around and chase him some more, and then he'll turn around and bless you. It's like giving. When you give a little, he'll give a little to you. And you give some more, he'll give some more. You can't outbeat God giving. You give to the poor. He says you are lending to the Lord, and the Lord will pay you back with interest. That's giving to the poor. Now you give to him, to his kingdom, and, and, and advancement of his kingdom, he's going to turn around and bless you. You cannot give him. Um, you, you try to be nice to somebody, it's like God just opens up and more people give to be, are nice to you. And the Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaking together, and running over, men shall give unto your bosom. It's not talking about only money, but it's talking about kindness. It's talking about love. You give love away, love is going to come back to you. Yes, right. Amen. Love begets love. It doesn't pay to be nasty and mean to people. They'll come back to you too. Yes, it will. Oh, God, my God. So we need to cultivate a mindset that is Christ-filled and, 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 and full of wisdom that you're going to be nice to people and you're going to be kind to people and you're going to bless people and you're going to live on that level, that greater level that God wants us to live on. We've been living in low Christianity Barely getting loan Christianity. <laughs> uh, but you want to grow and increase and go to another level. Knowing God is the focus of Christianity. So Christ died so that we can know the triune God. Get focus on his eternal purpose. This is the focus of Christianity is to know God. He wants you to spend time with him so you can put his spirit inside, so you can be filled up to overflowing his spirit. The Bible talks about in Psalm 23 that he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. There's a table spread out before you, and it's up to you to take from that table. You know, on that table, I'm going to tell you, there's some joy for you. There's some peace. And there's some grace, and there's some mercy, and there's some provision, there's some healing, there's some mind renewal on that table. Yes. And it's up to you to take from that table. God doesn't force you to take from that table. He says, I prepare the table before wow. you in the presence wow. of your enemy. 
So you got to take it. And if you take from that table, God is such a, a God of more than enough. He said he'll fill your cup to overflowing. So you have more than enough. He didn't just come to give us life, but he gave us, came to give us abundant life. More than enough life that we can share with somebody else. You be the life of the party. You be the life of your family. Be the light and be the life. And bring life to people who are dead in the trespasses and their sins. You show the, them the way by what you say and what you do. And show acts of kindness. Be kind. I mean, I'm telling you, all be overflowing with the love of God. And says, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you so much that you cannot deny the presence of God. When you start loving people, God comes on the scene. Go with me to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. Now, some of that wasn't even in my notes. That's what it's called. What, that's what it's called utterance. God gives you what is beyond you. Supernaturally. Psalm 27, verse 4. And this is David crying out to the Lord. This is a wonderful psalm. Um, let's look at verse 1 real quick. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? That's a good prayer to pray, a good scripture to pray, a good scripture to confess. And you say, the Lord is my light. I thank you, Lord, that you're my light. I want to thank you where there are darkness, where there's darkness in my mind and in my life. I thank you that you are the light. You are my light in my salvation. That word salvation is a, a, a whole salvation. Um, um, it means nothing missing and nothing broken. It, it, it's a, the totality of salvation. So the Lord is my protection. He's my provider. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my peace giver. He's my joy giver. That's what that word salvation means. It's not limited to just saving from us from our sins, but that salvation means all of what God has for us. So you can go around and say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I want to thank you, Lord, for being my light and being my salvation. I thank you, Lord, that I'm not in the dark, but I'm in the light. And I walk in the light even as you're the light. And the blood of Jesus cleanses me from my sins. That's 1 John chapter 1. I want to thank you, Lord, for being my salvation. You said in Psalm 91 verse 16, with long life you'll satisfy me and show me your salvation. I thank you that you are my salvation. You are the one to save me from my sins. You're the one to save me from myself. You're the one to save me from ignorance. Amen. And then go on to say, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. I thank you that you're the stronghold of my life. You're the foundation of my life. I thank you that it is in you that I live and move and have my existence. That, Lord, I thank you that my life is hid in Christ. That when he, when he appears, my life will also appear. I thank you that you're the stronghold of my life. You're the one to have the greatest stronghold in my life. Oh, man. Whom shall I be afraid? I thank you, Lord, that I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the enemy. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of failure. I'm not afraid of success. I'm not afraid of anyone. God, I thank you that I don't have to be afraid because you're the stronghold of my life. That's how you pray the song. Go to verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to acquire in his temple. David is, is, is saying that, 
there's only one thing that is driving his walk with God, his relationship with God. And that's what he's seeking after. He wants to dwell in the presence or in the house of God forever. That is the, that is the driving force or the driving heart of Christianity, to be in his presence. Death is just a transporter to get me to his presence in the fullness of his presence. I don't, I don't sorrow like those who are in the world without any hope, but I have hope beyond this life. And so here, David says, one thing I desire above anything else, above his blessings, above um, um, his blessings on my lineage, I, I desire to be in your presence, to dwell in your house, to, to be, not to have a visitation from God, but a habitation from wow. God. I do. I desire that. He, he's, he's yearning for the salvation that we have. He's looking to the cross. He said there is a time, there's going to be a place that, that, that in God, the greatest fullness. Do you know that we're more blessed than the Old, Old Testament saints? Because we don't only have, we don't just visit with the Father, but he lives inside of us. John chapter 14, 15 says, that the Father and the Son will come and make their abode or dwelling place inside of us. And so he's yearning to be in the presence of God. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. So he's asking and he's seeking after. Notice that he's not just asking. Sometimes people think about prayer as an excuse to not do what you need to do. But he, he's asking and then he's seeking. Right? The proof of, of passion is the pursuit, right? So if you're saying, you're my passion, then you need to pursue him. And so he's asking and he's pursuing. So he's like, I want to be in your presence and I'm going to do everything I can to be in his presence. And he, he said, this is all the days of my life. And why does David want to be in his presence? To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. He wants to behold the beauty of the Lord. So we sing and we shout and we read and we pray and we come to church and we give and we witness. Why? So that we can behold his beauty. We can know him better. We can grow in him. We can become more aware of his presence. Do you desire his presence? Do you want to know him? David made his pursuit of life, the pursuit of God, the focus of his life. And you have to make the pursuit of God the number one focus in your life. Now, nothing else really matters if I'm not seeking him. Because if I seek him, he'll refocus my life. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Paul prayed it like this. Philippians chapter 3 verses 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So here you got David, you got Jesus, and you got Paul all saying the same things. Seek first the kingdom of God. Pursue his presence. Desire him above life itself. Count everything as rubbish that you may know him. Man, that's good. So fasting, is, it helps us to put what is first, what is needed first. 
So are you seeking the kingdom of God or is the kingdom of God priority in your life? Have you made your relationship with the Lord priority? If you're not seeking God's kingdom, then you're seeking your own kingdom. Oh, man, that's scary. If God is not the king of your heart, then self is the king of your heart. We must dethrone self and place Jesus in his rightful place. He must be the Lord of our lives. He, that word Lord means master. Over 6,000 times throughout the Bible, the word Lord is mentioned, which speaks of the, 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 the kingship and the lordship of Jesus. He's the Lord. Jesus is Lord. You can't even be saved unless you confess him as Lord. Uh, acknowledging that he is the ruler. He's the one that controls everything. That's seeking the kingdom of God. Don't get so entangled in the world that you lose focus while you're here. You're here to know him and to enjoy him. Amen. And you enjoy everything else in light of that. Now, that doesn't mean that you, you're praying 24-7. You're fasting and, and you're, oh, I'm just seeking the Lord. But that everything about life is in light of who he is. I'm going to enjoy my kids. I'm going to enjoy my, my spouse. I'm going to enjoy my job. I'm going to enjoy life in light of eternity. I'm living in the sun, the S-O-N. Living in the sun. Everything that I do, I got him on my mind. He's, 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 he has made himself known. And all the, I can see him in the smallest things. And when, I, when I'm, in, I'm having a test, I can see his hand at work. I'm not afraid of trials and tribulations. They don't come to make me strong, they, but they come so that I can apply the word, that I can put into practice what I know. God allows trials and tribulations to come so I can put into practice what I learn on Sundays. What I read in books and what I read from the word, put to practice. They don't come to make you strong. They come to give you an opportunity to put to test, to put to work, or to apply what you know. Right? In school, you, you have a test. Why? So that you can apply the knowledge that you learn in the course. Well, te the test of life, uh, uh, you know, as, as God allows these tests to come our way, we, we are to put to practice the things that we know. Because God would now never allow you to be tested above that you're able to overcome it. So for every test or every temptation, he's made a way of escape. And that's your knowledge. See, knowledge doesn't set you free. It's the knowledge that you apply that sets you free. So David is saying, seek first the kingdom of God in his own terms. Paul says, desire to know God. So fasting helps you and I to refocus on the things that matter the most. Prayer and fasting. Prayer, prayer, pray like you never prayed before. And study the scriptures like you never studied them before. Grow in your faith. Grow in your faith in the living God. Feed yourself on the word of God. Meditate on it. I mean, I'm telling you, it could be 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, an hour a day just feeding on the word of God. Allowing that word to take root in your heart and your mind. Allowing that word to abide in you 
you only, the, the extent that you do the word is the extent that the word is abiding in you. The abiding in the word does not mean memorizing the word. Now, that is a key to abiding in the word. But you can memorize it and quote it in front of people. See, sometimes people study the scriptures to quote the scriptures in front of other people. And that's, the, that's, that's not what the purpose is. You're not, trying to exp- uh, you're not trying to impress anybody with the knowledge of scriptures that you have. You should. You should only memorize it so that you can do it, so you can obey it. So the word of God abides into, in you to the extent that you obey it. You say, I got the word in me. But if you're not doing it, doing any of it, you don't have the word. I mean, you're not abiding in the word. I have an uncle. When he gets high, um, he can quote the whole Bible. It seemed like it. I mean, he, it's like, and when he's not high, he's, he's stuttering. Hey, hey, nephew. He get high. He like, hey, the word of God says. I'm like, what, what's going on? Why can't you have that when you're not high? <laughs> but he doesn't do any of it. When I was a kid, he used to get all his nephew and nieces together and have Bible study. Him and his wife. We later we found out he didn't do any of it, but he taught the word. It was, I mean, I'm, I'm a product of his teachings. Sit down and like, you know, the word of God says, and he taught us. But the word was not abiding in him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a fake Christian. And being a fake Christian is not saying, is is not uh, a person necessarily, somebody who's a hypocrite. That's part of being fake. But being a fake Christian is thinking that you're applying the word or, or because you read it, you're actually doing it. Just because you read the word doesn't mean that you're doing it. Just because you hear great sermons doesn't mean that you're doing it. Just because you have great praise and worship music on doesn't mean that you're praising. All right? So don't substitute the music. Don't substitute the sermons for actually doing it or even reading it. So when you see something in the word, apply it immediately. So fasting helps us to refocus on the things that matter the most. Feed yourself on God's presence and his word. Stop being carnal. Carnality is flesh, means flesh rule. The flesh is ruling you. You do whatever the flesh tells you to do. The flesh says, it's time to eat. Come on, you know what time it is. I used to, when I was a youth pastor, I used to talk about um, a, 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 a plant controlled a lot of people. The plant would say, it's time for you to smoke me. Come on, come on, come on. And many people who smoking cigarettes or marijuana, it's, it, that's the things that's controlling them. Pornography is controlling people. It's, no, it's time. Come on, it's time to release. Come on. Don't be controlled by anything or addicted to it. And I got quiet on that. We're not to allow ourselves to be flesh ruled. We're not called to do what our flesh wants. Who's in control, your flesh or your spirit, man? See, your spirit wants God because your spirit is born of God and is recreated and knows God and prays to God on a higher level. And yet your flesh is, Romans 8 talks about, it's it's an enemy of God. It fights against God. Uh, The Bible talks about the spirit and the flesh warring with one another. I'm going to tell you this, most Scholars that I know and theologians, they say the Spirit is the Holy Spirit. But I'm here to tell you, the Holy Spirit is not warring with you. 
Because if he wars with you, he's going to win. It is your human spirit, your recreated spirit that is warring against your flesh. And that is the battle. Who will be the, who will have the throne of your heart? Will it be your spirit man who knows God or your flesh man who's connected to this world? Who's ruling you? Do you do what your spirit says or do you do what your flesh says? Resist anger. When anger comes, it doesn't mean that you have to give a a person a piece of your mind. Resist it. They call it what? Emotional intelligence. The ability to control your emotions. I don't do what you say do. Your emotions, I say, hit them, hit them. I've been in conferences where my emotions told me to hit this particular pastor. Hit them, hit him, hit him. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I've been, cuss, come on, cuss, come on, come on, say a word, come on, cuss, cuss. You got it, you got this. I'm like, no. Amen. <laughs> David. Wanted God more than anything else in the world. He sought after the Lord to learn and to behold his beauty. He wanted to be among God's people. Psalm 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And so be glad to come in. Come in with joy. Hey, I get to go to church today. Not that I got to go to church, but I get to go to church. Oh, I get to be around God's people. I get to pray with them. I get to sing with them. I get to love on them, even when they're unlovable. Even when they got attitudes. I want to love them. That's the mindset of the spirit-filled Christian. Stop taking advantage of your church. Be glad that it exists and pray for its prosperity in every area. It isn't enough just to come to church and not get involved and help out. Seeking God is going after what is his interest. And God wants people to come to Christ. So when the the last time you witnessed to somebody, yes, I'm trying to make you feel bad. I'm trying to cause conviction to come upon you so that you can say, wait a minute, I need to witness. (laughs) He wants to see people filled with the Holy Ghost and to speak in other tongues on a regular basis. He wants to see people baptized in water and he wants to see people discipled. Fasting helps us to focus on the things that matters the most in this world. The only relationship that you're able to take into eternity with you is your relationship with Christ. And only, only the will of God will last in eternity. That's our original quote. Only the will of God will last in eternity. Not your will, not my will, not the will of the world, but the will of God. Get your focus on eternal things and grow up and understand what this is all about. All right, go to Psalm 46, verse 10. I'm almost finished. Psalm 46, verse 10. I'm plugging from the world. Psalm 46, verse 10 says this. Be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. I love verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us, and the God of Jacob is our fortress. So here the scripture tells us to be still. The word be still in the um, um, the uh, New American Standard says this. Cease striving and know that I am God. ESV says be still and know that I am God. Um, The word be still means to be devoted, 
to, to be devoted or to devote oneself to, to be occupied um, and, and know and to come to know and learn and know and realize that God is God. So during this time of fasting, you will learn the spiritual, you should learn the spiritual discipline of solitude. Learning to be quiet both in your prayer time and in general. How many know we talk too much? There's a song I grew up on, you talk too much and you never shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me show you some scriptures based on we talk too much. Um, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. If you listen to people, they'll tell you exactly what's, what they're all about. Listen to their words. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So they can't help but say what's going on inside of them. You can locate people with their words. So listen to people. They talk some foolishness. You're like, man, they're foolish. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says this. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. You can preach. I can, I can hoop on that. When words I'm sorry, are not many, transgression is not lacking. Who, who, or, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm a country on you. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So if we talk a lot, there's going to be some sinning. We have a tendency to talk about people, to lie. Are y'all with me? Um, Matthew 12, verse 36. Let's go over there. Matthew 12, verse 36. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says this. It says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for what? Every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So be careful about just speaking words. Because you're going to be judged based on every word that comes out of your mouth. The, Malachi talks about a, a book of remembrance. God remembers every word that you have spoken. And then, of course, don't have time to go over there. James chapter 1, verse 19. It says, be slow to speak and quick to hear. So be still and know that and understand that who God is. This can be applied when you're in church. Be still. And get a good night's sleep prior to coming to church so you can be ready to hear the word. Be still and know that he's God. Listen. Discipline yourself to hear the word. You know, it's amazing. They tell us, oh, don't preach over an hour or don't preach over 40 minutes or don't preach over 30 minutes because people won't hear you. But I'm telling you, you have to get disciplined. You got to have enough faith to sit there and listen to the word of God so he can do surgery on your heart. Dr. Miles Morell was known for preaching for like hours, <laughs> you know, like hour 15, hour 20, two hours, three hours. You're sitting there and I'm telling you, and you were not, you, you just, oh, oh man, what else? What else? What else are you going to say? I'm telling you, one time Paul preached so much, so long, a man fell asleep in the window and fell and broke his neck. Paul stopped preaching, went down, raised him up from the dead and got back up and started preaching again. Man, that's some church right there. Most of us were like, oh, it's time for me to go. <laughs> he died, it's time for me to go. See, Paul, you preach too much. Man, you're always talking about what Jesus did. It's time for me to go home. I got to go home. So we got to discipline ourselves. 
Be still and know and understand. Be disciplined to sit and hear the word. I'm not saying not use the bathroom. You got to use the bathroom. But just be disciplined not to, not to surface the internet. Say, so I resist that. I'm going to hear the word because one word from God can change my life forever. God is speaking. I need to hear. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 through 18 is my last scriptures. And then I'm going to let you go so you can get home, not to beat the Baptist to the buffet, so you can go home and pray and meditate and seek the Lord. Because we we in time of consecration. <laughs> We've come to consecrate ourselves at the beginning of the year so that we can know the will of God for this year, so we can walk in victory, we can walk in peace and, and grow in grace and learn how to love people, learn how to give, how to worship, how to praise, how to pray. I preached for eight weeks how to pray. So if you don't know how to pray, go back and listen to the eight weeks. Eight weeks of prayer. You should know how to pray. You should pray for more, you, that eight weeks, an hour each week should be eight hours. You should know how to pray for eight hours. The prayers, the praise, the thanksgiving, adoration, confession of sins, so forth. You got enough to understand how to pray. Amen? There's no excuse to, to pray. You know how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says this, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Notice Jesus says, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. Some people got fasting as an option. But it says, when you fast. So you're expected to fast. We as Christians are expected to fast. It says, don't look gloomy. Don't draw attention to your fasting. It's, it's a temptation. Oh, you know, I'm my church is fasting, so, you know, you know, I'm just seeking the Lord. People in the world don't know about that. What do you mean, seeking the Lord? I didn't know he was lost. <laughs> you're seeking the Lord, and, and you're like, oh, 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 I cannot wait. 21 days on the 23rd, there's going to be an earthquake. And you wait till 1158, and you put the steak in, and you, 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 you got the gravy and the degrees, and, and you got the, the dessert, and, and, and at 12 o'clock, it's an earthquake. And you're like, yes, Lord, God is real. But now you're not looking for that. You're not looking. You're, you're like, you, you, you got your game face on. So they don't know that you're fasting. They don't know that you got the secret weapon of fasting and prayer going on inside of you. But they're going to know it. If you're doing it in secret, because it's going to show up in your life, you'll have the fruit of that. And they'll eat and participate and embrace the fruit of your labor of you sowing to the Spirit. If you sow to the Spirit, you'll have enough life for your community. Sow to the Spirit. Prayer. Your prayers. You're so full of prayers, not that you pray for the sake of others, but because you've prayed so much in secret that God shows up when you're in the public. But see, some of us, we have a deficiency of fasting and prayer in our lives, and so therefore, there's nothing showing up but flesh. Don't let flesh show up. Let the spirit man show up. Let the Holy Ghost show up in your life. Let the love of God show up. 
Oh, it's a horrible day. No, it's a great day to be alive. When you go in the office tomorrow, hey, glory to God. I mean, you don't have to say glory to God, but you can say, glory. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. How can I serve you today? You in customer service, praise the Lord. No, no, you can't say praise the Lord. Well, hey, how many serve you today? What do you mean? What's wrong? I got joy unspeakable. And then they looked and said, let me talk to you. Jesus is a joy giver. <laughs> I prayed for people. I remember I was a transporter. I used to walk 22 miles a day transporting people throughout the hospital and co-worker witnessing to them on our breaks. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, you need Jesus. I witnessed to them while, while I'm waiting for the next beep. The, you know, we had beepers back then. They would beep, go to this room, pick this person up, and take them an x-ray. And so um, I would go witness to them. And then I remember one time we put um, one guy, he, he, I led him to Christ in the, in the, in, in the hospital in the little um, stairway. I prayed with him. I said, you know, repeat this prayer, meet him with your heart, that God has raised Christ from the dead. I explained the gospel. He got saved. I said, now receive the Holy Ghost. I, I literally laid hands on the brother. Doctors could have came. There was cameras. I laid hands on him. I said, receive the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, speak it a little bit more. Okay, we got to be. We got to go. <laughs> and we went, hey, hey, raise the Lord. I never forgot that. Never forgot that. I was like, man, I, was, I did radical stuff. Man, <laughs> I didn't care. I was like, yo, I need, I need to preach. Oh, oh, I mean, I would go on the streets. I didn't wait for the church to invite me to preach. I would just preach on the street. I went to Cam I was in Camden with the bullhorn. You need to repent. What happened? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> she said, a little bit. Now you try to control the spirit. <laughs> a little bit, Lord. We don't want a radicalness. I mean, I remember a time I, I was supporting my pastor. I literally tried to fill that church up. I, I, I sensed the call, but I didn't preach in that church. They didn't have to tell me. My pastor didn't have to. I, I invited everybody to my church. I had cards, and I was passing them out. You need to come to our church. You need to come to our church. And I filled that church up. I, I remember one time I had this guy, he made me a youth pastor, and it was one kid. <laughs> How you going to be a youth pastor and you got one kid? But guess what I did? I had a blue Taurus, a blue Taurus, and I got, went around the neighborhood, got a bunch of kids, and brought them to my youth group. And I preached to them, used my own money to buy them candy and cakes, and preached to them, and had to take them right back to home. I said, I'm going to have some youth. <laughs> I'm going to have somebody to preach to. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I'm saying, don't be gloomy and put your game face on and don't let people know that you're fasting. It's not something for them to know. Verse 17 says this. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. One translation says, comb your hair. <laughs> it says that. I read that to this morning. I was like, whoa, comb your hair. Put, put it as if everything's intact. You know, sometimes people, when they fast, they oh, I'm so hungry. Oh God! And they're like, why are you, why are you, why are you doing this to yourself? You ain't got no money. I mean, we, you know, because no, my church got me fasting. And they were like, oh, that's a cult. <laughs> they got you fasting 21 days. What the devil? What is going? No, 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 no. They don't need to know. Verse 18 says that that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. King James says they will, he will reward you openly. Yeah. If I pray 
and I fast in secret, God will show up in the public, in my life, and people will see my good works and glorify my Father which is in heaven. Let's, let's, let's fast secretly unto the Lord. Last scripture. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this. <clears throat> Without faith, it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is what? A rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek him. I want to tell you that God is a rewarder. He wants to reward you, not just in the sweet by and by, but on earth. He wants to reward you. He'll come and visit your house with some prosperity, with some healing and some wisdom and some glory. Glory shall be in this house. Amen. Some things in order. He'll line your marriage up for his glory. He'll cause your children to obey you. <laughs> I'm telling you, he wants to come to your house with his goodness and his mercy. So the question is, are you diligently seeking him? You seek him through prayer, through meditation of the word, through fasting. You seek him by praying, praying. In the name of Jesus, praying to the Father, praying scriptures, praying from the heart, praying in the Holy Ghost. You seek him by coming to church. You seek him by paying tithes, giving offerings. You seek him by witnessing. You seek him by worshiping and singing. Some of y'all need to sing unto the Lord. The Lord, the Lord longs to hear your voice. So sing to him. Whether you can make a joyful noise or a beautiful noise, sing. Sing to him. He wants to hear your song. So this week, this is your assignment. There's two <laughs> passages of scriptures that I want you to pray every single day, several times a day. I'm not going to tell you how many times. I've made that mistake way too many times. You know, pray this a hundred times. You should have seen my first youth group. See, some of y'all seen my third youth group. Third, yeah, third youth group. And because uh, the first two got the, <laughs> they were, I mean, 40 days, you fought, I mean, you ate 16 and you're fasting 40 days. I mean, the first youth group had to fast 40 days. Then the second youth group had to fast, you know, 20 days. The last youth group never fasted. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Ephesians chapter 1. <laughs> Ephesians 1. <laughs> Ephesians 1. Okay, so this is a prayer that I pray every time I preach, most, for the most part. This is one, I want you to pray this prayer for yourself and for this church <clears throat> and for anybody who the Lord leads you to pray for. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. I want you to open your Bible. Listen, I don't necessarily always pray with my eyes closed, knowing the Bible doesn't say to close your eyes. I think somebody along the way said, you need to close your eyes when you pray. Now, closing your eyes will help you not be distracted. But you can pray with your eyes open, you know, especially for those, those of us driving. <laughs> oh, Lord, I thank you. Oh, some deep Christians. Oh, Lord, I thank you. And, and then you're like, what, what happened? But pray with your eyes closed at times. Yeah, Jesus, take the will. So this is a prayer. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 15 through 23, I want you to commit that to prayer. Pray this over yourself and over your children. If you don't have any kids, pray for your children to come. That's right. Pray this over your lineage. 
that what people come out of, out of me will pray, will walk in this. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 says, For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Now, this is the actual prayer, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. How many know that God has an inheritance in us? We are his inheritance. We are his proportion. He, he delights in us. The Bible tells us that God delights in the, um, the death of one of his saints, uh, in the memory of, blessed are the memory, blessed is the memory of one of the saints of God. So there is some delight. That speaks of your self-esteem, your value. You are valuable to God. So what you're praying is that God show me how valuable I am to you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Lord, show me how valuable my brother and my sister are in your sight. That's what you're praying. You're praying to understand how valuable they are to God. In verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him on it at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that one, the one to come. He had put all things on his feet and gave him to be the head, as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the prayer itself is from 17 to verse 19. But then it has some extra stuff that if you pray those things, your, your eyes will be enlightened, and you'll understand what God did, what he worked. King James says wrought, worked and wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and all power and dominion and above every, and above every name that is named. So Jesus, God made Jesus to be the head of everything. Gave him so every demon and every angel is subject to Jesus. That's what you're praying about. Not only in this age, understanding that God gave him a name that is above every name, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So Jesus' name is nameless. I mean, matchless. There's no other name like his name in this age, in the age to come. His name is resounding in the earth, and everything is subject to his name. Everything, you can speak to cancer, and it'll be subject to his name. You can speak to fear and doubt and unbelief and command it to go. Don't sit there and fight the devil. Oh, with your, open your mouth and say, in the name of Jesus, I come against you. We'll talk about the name of Jesus in the days ahead, but I'm telling you, pray this prayer. Pray that God will fill you with the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. I say, in the knowledge of you that the eyes of my understanding will be enlightened, on the, the eyes of my heart enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of your calling. Lord, I want to know why you called me. Lord, why did you call me? What you've called me to. You called me to be a husband, to love my wife as Christ loves the church. You called me to be a man, to represent your glory, to have dominion on the earth. Lord, you called me to be thankful. You called me, are you with me? You called me to be a good employee so that I can serve you with my works. Oh, God, you call me to be a light. 
That's, you're praying that you may know those things. And then you're praying that you'll know the value. And then the latter part, verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Lord, I, I want to know this power. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know the power of his resurrection. So I'm praying about that power. God, let me, let me understand the power of God. God, let me see what you did in Christ. God, help me to see how you brought all things in subjection to your son. Man, that's powerful. You're praying that you may know what God did in Christ. You're praying that you may know you, yourself, in Christ, who you are in Christ. That's what you're praying. What belongs to me as your son, as your daughter? The Bible says I am the heir of God, and I'm joint heirs with Christ. Jesus is my elderly brother, Colossians chapter 1. He's my older brother. He's my savior and my brother. And I love him like myself. <laughs> okay, Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 14, 14 through 21. This is a prayer for strength. So now you're praying for the eyes of your understanding to be in light. You're praying for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be in your life. And I want you to pray this several times throughout the day. Don't let, it go, don't let a day go by without you praying that prayer over yourself, over your church, and over your loved ones. Pray that over your unborn daughters, unborn sons. Pray that prayer. You know, you can pray that God will give a person who's not saved the spirit of, of revelation that they may know who Jesus is. Yes. God invade their world. Give them a revelation. When you get a revelation of Jesus, you won't be the same. You'll start acting differently because you understand who he is. Yeah. You're praying that you may know him better. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. Prayer for spiritual strength. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Sometimes it's good to bow your knees physically, not just posture wise for this reason I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named man you mean tell me I got a family in heaven and on earth we are family we got fam our, our, our family line extends beyond this earth so the family that is in heaven and on earth is named after Jesus named after the father for, okay from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, the value of his glory, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. You're praying for spiritual strength. How many know that when the enemy attacks you, which he will, when he attacks you, if you don't have strength, you'll fall. So you're praying for your inner man to be strong so when the attacks come, they won't cause you to fail, fall. You're praying for strength that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What, what is that about? That's not praying, oh, Lord Jesus, come into my heart again. No, that's, that's that Christ may rule your life. Because your heart is what? The, the heart is the, the center of who you are. And so you're praying for the, rule, the lordship or the, rules, the rulership of Jesus in your life, that Christ may dwell in your heart Christ may be the Lord of your life. He may be the, the one who sits on the throne of your, of your heart. He's the one who's calling the shots in your life. That's what you're praying. That, you, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you've been rooted and grounded in what? In love. Oh, man. That, that you, your, your whole being, your whole existence is based out of the love of God. 
the love for God, the love of God, the love for God, and the love to your brothers and your sisters. Verse 18, may have strength to comprehend with what? With who? <laughs> All the saints. What is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth? To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So you're praying that you will know the love of Christ. In other words, that you would experience this love, that you will understand how much he loves you. So if you're ever in doubt of the love of God, don't look for a feeling, but look at the cross. Man, that's how much he loves me. He loves me because I looked at the cross. Again, some people want to equate love as this feeling, this fuzzy feeling. But we got to go beyond that. That you may know um, the love of Christ was passing your full, your mere knowledge, or surpasses your knowledge. And the latter part is that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I was praying this for one of my brothers. I said, Lord, I pray that you'll fill him with the, with the fullness of you. And I started praying for him in person while he was there. And guess what happened? He started speaking in tongues. What is going on, brother? I was like, that's the Holy Ghost. You've been filled with the fullness of God. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So pray these two prayers over this fast. Father, we do thank you for this word. We pray that we will live out um, um, these 21 days understanding how to unplug from the world so that we may know you better that we will walk in the love of God, that we will know this love, which surpasses our mere knowledge, that we may be filled with the fullness of God, a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. God, you're able to do this and far above all we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for a successful fast. We declare that we will successfully fast these 21 days. We won't grumble and complain, but we'll be strengthened by the power of God to fast, to endure, and to delight in our fast, in Jesus' name, and spend much time in the Word and much time in prayer, in Jesus' name. Amen.